The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out CybionicsCGM.com. This is the Insulone Podcast, where I, Owen Costello, try to redefine diabetes. In this week's episode, and let's say I'm sitting down to a, I'm at a friend's place or I'm at a restaurant and I'm sitting down to a meal and I'm thinking, oh yeah, there's probably 60 grams of carbohydrate in this meal. I'm probably going to take three units of insulin normally, but because I'm in doubt, I'm going to take more. But before we get into that, everything you hear on the Insulone podcast is from my own personal experience. And if you have any worries or issues regarding your diabetes, please contact a medical professional. Now, let's get stuck into this episode. Okay, welcome back to part two of keeping your blood sugar stable throughout the festive period. If you didn't listen to part one, I strongly suggest that you do. Turn this episode off right now and go back to part one if you if you haven't yet listened to part one but graham what do you think we just jump straight in we've already done the introduction in the first one we don't really need to do it again i think so actually i've got one question for you because mm-hmm. i was thinking about last week's episode and you talking about your client from mayo and him planning out the days that he wants to go out um to spread his calories and all that what is your favorite day over the festive period it starts for me on the 23rd that's mm. for me the first day. Well, this might be an Irish thing now as well because the 23rd has become a really big day in Ireland. Mm. That's why I suppose because I come from a really small town in Mayo, same as your client, and everybody who lives away kind of comes back on the 23rd. And we're all together. Mm. And then it ends on New Year's Eve. But there's a lot of different days in between there. So what would yours be? I Yeah, I like Christmas Day obviously come, comes to mind straight away. But I I think... For me, probably probably the most enjoyable are Christmas Eve and the twenty third, because mm. it's like oh, it's like it's the build up and like ev- yeah. everybody everybody's back, families around, people are already off work, and you know like that that buzz is around the place. I always refer back to like when when I was a kid and when my was obviously younger with my two brothers. And like when we were young kids, the 23rd and the 24th were just like the most unbelievable days. Like they still are. But when yeah. you're younger, like the magic around those days is just it's a, a crazy, it's hard to explain. It's hard to articulate, but it's like a crazy sort of energy 
around. Mm. It is it kind of like is is magic. Um, but no, my favorite twenty third, twenty fourth. Yeah, anyway, I, I tend to not agree. get to uh, let's not get too into the the childhood memories <laughs> because uh, Christmas, Christmas time is just just the best time, isn't it? Yeah, it's class. It's like, and then January is just. Oh, right. <laughs> here, we, here, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Let's go again. Come on now. Let's only get it going. Only 11 more months to December. Right. Okay. Let's, let's no, focus. no, positive. Focus. Positive, positive. Uh, yeah. But but you know what? That this is that's a perfect example as to why even just these small tips, these small decisions that we can make throughout the Christmas period, again, allow us to enjoy it, but also give us give us the foundation to January, knowing that I don't feel horrendous right now. I actually yeah. feel pretty good. I'm energized. I'm motivated. I'm, I'm ready to go. So let's get stuck in. Yeah, go on. So number one for today and again, like we did last week, I'm going to touch on a few like physical kind of practical things, but also practical and conceptual sort of mindset frames and ideas and decisions that we can pay attention to. So number one is what I refer to as my in doubt decision, as in my insulin in doubt decision. Meaning when I go to a restaurant, when I get a takeaway, when it is the festive period and there's all sorts of unpredictable foods where I have absolutely no idea what's in it. What is my, when I'm in doubt, insulin decision that I make? So I am somebody who I always prefer to be lower blood sugar wise than higher because like I just strongly dislike when my blood sugars are stubbornly high. So I always much prefer to kind of walk the line slightly lower when possible. So for me, if I am having an unpredictable meal, unpredictable night out, and I'm taking insulin for uh, a type of food or a meal where it is a guess. And let's say I'm sitting down to a, I'm at a friend's place or I'm at a restaurant and I'm sitting down to a meal and I'm thinking, oh yeah, there's probably 60 grams carbohydrate in this meal. I'm probably going to take three units of insulin normally, but because I'm in doubt, I'm going to take more. That's how, that's how I approach it. Because for the, va- the vast majority of the time, when I am at a restaurant, when I am at a friend's place, when I am getting a takeaway, there's more in that meal than I think there is. Like that's why generally these types of foods taste so good. Like there's, there's hidden what excuse my language, but the, the way I put it is there's hidden shite in it, you know, that that's generally not accounted for in sauces and all these kinds of things. So I always add on an extra bit of insulin when I'm in doubt because chances are there's more in it. So my in doubt insulin decision is either, am I in doubt and I want to reduce the likelihood of being high or Am I in doubt and want to reduce the likelihood of being low? So again, your decision. I am always somebody who will overestimate because I prefer to be slightly lower. You may be somebody who is more confident and comfortable underestimating because you want to avoid going lower. So even that type of decision, it's like the, it's just 
having some logic towards an unpredictable meal or restaurant or takeout food, which can be surprisingly helpful. Number two, pay attention to the order you eat your food. Can I say this is one of my favorite things I've learned from this podcast over the last four years? Eat your veg first. Do you do that? No, but (laughs) for for diabetics. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> eat, eat your veg first and yeah, good, uh, fiber. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I know, that I, fiber I remember, episode is still the, one of my favorite episodes. I remember the first time you said that, I, my mind was blown. Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? Explain it again, because I I have it in my head, but I can't articulate it properly. You're obviously going so, to explain it here. Yeah, so so I'll, I'll go through what I was going to go go through, and if you have questions, let me know. Yeah. So. Basically, this kind of ties into what I was just saying about like making a decision around an unpredictable meal that you have. So if I am having an unpredictable meal and I've no idea what's in it, and I'm essentially guessing the amount of carbohydrate that's in it, which means I'm guessing the amount of insulin that I'm taking, any decision around making that meal easier blood sugar wise, I'll pay attention to. So something that we can do is look at the order in which we eat our food. So for example, let's say I'm sitting down to Christmas dinner and there's veg, there's potatoes, there's turkey, there's veg, protein, carbs, essentially in its simplest form. Yeah. If I don't know what's in that, what can help massively is the order in which I eat my food. So if I eat the veg first, then the protein, and then the carbohydrate, primarily the fiber from the veg itself will regulate to a certain degree the rate and height of the blood sugar spike that you see from the carbohydrate primarily. So I will eat my veg first, then my protein, then my carbohydrate. Now, that's kind of like a double whammy. The way way I look at it, it's a double whammy because number one, as I said, it will physically benefit blood sugars. But also, if you're sitting down to dinner or you're at a restaurant and you haven't really had adequate time to pre-bolus accurately, the time that it takes you to eat the veg and the time that it takes you to eat the protein can actually act as a pre-bolus. So I'll kind of map it out for you. Let's say you're sitting down at a dinner table and you may be around family or friends or whatever and you don't want your dinner to come you don't want to take your insulin and then just sit there for 15 minutes not doing anything while everybody else is eating now i will do that if it's if it's necessary because i don't care if other people are eating and i'm not anyway that's a different that's a different episode <laughs> First episode of the new year. Owen yeah. doesn't care. <laughs> yeah. um, so if if I'm sitting down there and the, the food arrives, what I can do is I can then look at the carbohydrate, estimate what I need, take my insulin. And if I decide to eat my veg first and then eat my protein, the time that it takes me to eat both of those before actually eating the carbohydrate, which primarily requires the insulin, that acts as a pre-bolus time. So I can mm-hmm. take my time eating the veg. I can take my time eating the protein. I can have a couple of glasses of wine while my 10, 15, 20 minutes, whatever it might be, kind of starts ticking. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, that is the double whammy. Yeah. It's the fibre in it and it lowers the spike and also use it as a pre-bolus. It's really clever. And that's uh, even with that. And, and like another thing that I like to do is if I'm out at a restaurant or something and I know that the meal that I'm getting will require insulin. If I order a small side salad, that serves that exact purpose. It's the fiber first and the time it's actually taking me to eat the salad before I eat the thing that requires most of the insulin. Yeah. It works really well. Number three, drinking alcohol. Now, if you don't drink alcohol, you don't even need to listen to this. And Fast forward. Yeah. <laughs> Fast forward. <laughs> so drinking alcohol in itself is a bit unpredictable diabetes-wise. For, in my opinion, two main reasons, well, three main reasons. Number one is the fact that depending on the alcohol that you drink, that will have an impact on your blood sugar immediately, depending on what you drink. Number two is the fact that if you are drinking and depending on how much you are drinking, you will lose your inhibitions to a certain extent, meaning you are less inclined to make measured or rational decisions around the food that is nearby. So that in itself will also impact blood sugar. And then thirdly, depending on how much you drink, that can have a significant impact on your blood sugar late that night and for the following day. Because depending on how much alcohol you consume, I suppose in layman's terms and in the simplest way to put it, like when we drink alcohol, essentially it's poison for your body. So like that's your body's priority to get it out of your system. And as a result of that, it inhibits your liver's ability to naturally release glucose. So as a result of that, you're a lot more inclined to experience low blood sugars, like late that night and also into the next day, which can potentially be dangerous. So let, like, let's say, for example, you have 10 pints and you get home, you get home and you're knocked out in bed. And it's kind of difficult for you to, to wake up because you've had 10 pints. If your blood sugar goes too low, you may not wake up as easily. And you may be less inclined to even feel the sensation of you going low, which can obviously potentially be quite dangerous. So with alcohol, what I like to do is I like to just, again, come back to decisions. I like to decide on what it is I'm drinking. Like, can I in advance make a decision around the type of alcohol that I'm having just to make it easier? And what I mean by making it easier, it's like, can is there something that I can do that just takes my diabetes out of the equation? Because when I can make a decision in advance of something, which inevitably makes my blood sugar easier to manage, I personally enjoy the thing I'm doing more because it's not even in my mind. So for example, I love tequila, as you know. So if I opt for a tequila soda, I know short term in the night, I don't require insulin for that. It doesn't do anything to my blood sugar short term. I just need to pay attention to potentially being lower that night or the next day. Whereas if I have beer or pints of Guinness, which I also do, that's completely different blood sugar wise because it, it has carbohydrates and it has an immediate impact on my blood sugar. So I need to pay attention to blood sugar short term and also blood sugar later on in the night. So can I make a choice around the type of alcohol that I'm having. 
that's the first thing I can do. If I do make a decision around something like Guinness, like I love, I love pints of Guinness and particularly at home. And I have this conversation with Americans all the time in New York because <laughs> they always ask about, about Guinness and like, what do you drink at home and all these different things. It was, it was actually two nights ago. I had, <laughs> I had this exact conversation. Like a pint of Guinness in Ireland is completely different to a pint of Guinness in America. So I love them, particularly around Christmas time. If I can remember correctly, a, a four pint of Guinness is like 15 grams of carbs. So inevitably, I will require insulin for that. So what I do is I'll carb count whatever drink I'm having and treat it almost like a meal, meaning carb count if I can, take insulin when I can, pre-bolus if I can. Simple as that. So that's short term. But then what I'll pay attention to, depending on how many I've had or how much I've drank, like I said, not so long ago, that can have an impact on how my blood sugar acts later into the night or the next day. So I want to reduce the likelihood of me going low because I don't want to run that risk throughout the night asleep, having a few beers. I will eat food prior to going to sleep without insulin. And this is where I'm much more confident. I'm much more comfortable. My blood's potentially being slightly higher because I don't want to run the risk of going too low. So this is where I'll eat something like a protein bar, mince pie, packet of crisps, whatever is around me, 15, 20, 30 grams of carbs without insulin. If I've had like five drinks or more generally which I generally would do, right? <laughs> so that essentially I don't risk my bloods going too low. Um, I think that's what I was going to say on alcohol. But again, yeah. just, just to reiterate, like it's your choice of alcohol can just take your diabetes out of the equation for the short term. So that's why I like that I enjoy a tequila soda because don't need to worry about a blood sugar short term. And also just takes diabetes out of the equation and I'm more in the thing that I'm doing. Like if I'm at a party or a night out or dinner, my aim is to do what I want, enjoy it as much as possible without even thinking about my blood sugar. So that's why even a decision around type of food, type of alcohol, pre-bolus, carb count, order of food, yada, yada, yada. Sounds like a lot to consider, but these are decisions you make in 0.5 seconds. And then it's like, bang. I forget about my diabetes for as long as I need to in a healthy way. That would be a good way to end. But Owen, do you have another one for us just before we I do. let I do. it go? Do you have anything else? One more tip for us. I have one more. During the I've festive one, period. You know what? I've, I've, I've two quick ones. Okay, right? go well, on. Actually, I have one really quick one. And then I have one longer one. That's important for okay. the new year. All right. So the really, really quick one, I'll keep it nice and short. I know I say really quick and then I end up going on for 10 <laughs> minutes. That's what I always do. <laughs> so really quick. During this time of year, because of the type of food that you're eating, chocolate, mince pies, generally higher fatty foods, higher carbohydrate foods, pay attention to the fact that you will probably need more insulin as a delayed bolus because of the fact that generally a lot of the foods that you're eating will be quite high fat. So, Again, to keep it nice and quick and simplify it as much as possible. If I'm eating a meal that's high carb, high fat, I need insulin up front as a pre-bolus, but I will likely also require insulin maybe 
10, 20, 30-ish percent of my initial dose about an hour and a half or two hours after. I could go into a hole, I could go down a black hole talking about that in detail. <laughs> um, but that's just something to keep in mind without being yep. overly specific. All right. And the last one, and this is important, and this kind of ties it all in with, I know I've mentioned decision-making a hundred different times throughout these two episodes, but don't be under the impression that you can't enjoy your holiday period and be mindful of your energy, your mood, your health. You can do both. You don't have to go hell for leather during this time of year and feel terrible in January. Like you just don't have to do that. Right. And what I, what I sometimes like to do, it's like, for me, the most important thing is enjoying it. Absolutely. That's the most important thing. This time of year is one time a year. So it's important that you enjoy it. But if you are somebody, and we touched on this in the first episode, if you're somebody that is like actively trying to make a change to their life this year or into 2024, you can use this time as a time to prove to yourself that you can be consistent with certain things during unpredictable times. And what I hear so often is I'll start after Christmas. I'll start after Christmas. I'll start in the new year. I'm, I'm too busy right now. There's too much going on. And if you're waiting until you're not busy to start something, you're also assuming you'll stop when you get busy again. And I hear all the time, and it's not even specifically in relation to this time of year. I hear all the time, oh, I can't, I can't, things are just too busy. You're never not going to be busy. When you do one thing or get through a certain day, week, month, something else always comes up anyway. You're never not going to be busy. And it's this kind of on or off mindset around fitness, around nutrition, around diabetes, that inevitably prevents you from actually making lasting change and lasting progress. That's just, that's a fact. Because if, if we're under the impression that everything around us has to be calm and perfect and, and at ease for me to be able to prioritize my health, it's never going to happen. Because there, there's chaos around you all the time, work, family, relationships, moving, illness, all these different things, okay? And to me, your health and your fitness, let's call it a fitness journey, can and should live alongside having a life. You don't stop living your life because you want to be fit and healthy. They, they go hand in hand. Like, as I've said in this podcast, I love tequila. I love Guinness. I love food. I love pizza. I love early nights in. I love late nights out. I love exercise. I love vegetables. I love doing nothing and sitting on the couch. None of these are mutually exclusive. Like you should do all of these types of things. And even from my experience, and th this is important for going into the new year. This, this is really important. I've been a coach, trainer, whatever for years the most successful people, and what I mean by successful 
doesn't isn't a number, isn't a time and range, isn't an A one C. It's a way of living your life where you feel amazing, you feel fulfilled, you feel like you're making progress consistently. You're dealing with challenge well. Like that's that's what success to me with health and fitness is. You're confident, you're energized. The most successful people are people who can adapt. Without a doubt. And the people that struggle consistently over longer periods of time find it hard to adapt or don't know how to adapt yet. So with Christmas time, the festive period, it's very unpredictable. It's challenging. But if you can set a foundation of, I can be consistent with going out for a walk every day. I can be consistent with going to the gym three times a week. I can be consistent around making this decision with food. If you can do that this time of year, you're laughing for 2024 and having that ability to adapt is massively important. And again, to reiterate, you're never not going to be busy. That is a fact. I can't remember the amount of times in my life I've thought I'll do this thing when X doesn't happen. You need to do it now. Happy Christmas. Happy New Year. I love you all. (laughs) That's it. Good luck. Goodbye. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Take it easy, Graham.